Hallelujah. Everybody say this with me. I was jotting down. A little, I, I write pages of things that I think are important to me. But uh, this morning, say this with me. God is almighty. He's all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And he is ever-wise. The word of God is his voice. It is his will. And it is my basis of faith. I am an absolute child of God. And what the Word does, it is doing in me. I can do whatever it says I can do. I am who it says I am. And I can have what it says I can have. I possess all that God has declared about me. I am redeemed and forgiven. I am sanctified and seated in heavenly places. I have the ability over devils and problems. I have the right to use the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 John 3, 1, 1 John, the third chapter, and verse 1 through 8. Hallelujah. I believe today's message is the greatest hindrance of people walking in their Christ nature. It is the biggest destroyer of faith. It is the greatest creator of gulfs between success and failure. It says, and behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew not him. Next verse. Oh, beloved, now, somebody say now, are we the sons of God? Now it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifest, Jesus, to take away our sins, the sole purpose, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him does not sin. It means that they do not create a perpetual way of transgression. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous. Righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Now it was for this purpose that the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin and his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin. He is born of God. 
Now, we know that the devil is the author of sin. But sometimes when we think of sin, we forget all of the fruits of sin. Sin is a like, uh, have you ever seen one of those trees that produce all kinds of fruits? I mean, you can eat an orange, you can eat an apple, you can eat all kinds of, of fruit off of this tree because of the engraftment of the branch that is in the tree. Now, it won't produce nuts, but it will produce fruit because all of the fruits of the DNA of that, of fruit trees, are found in one another. There is this link with that realm of creation. And so, when we are engrafted into a tree or into a branch, or we are a branch of the child of the devil, then we are, by nature, sinners. Now, we understand that one of the first things that the devil did when he caused man to sin, he set into motion a whole barrage of things. Number one, he became separated from God. Number two, he instituted fear instead of faith. Number three, he instituted cursing instead of blessing. He instituted sorrow instead of joy, pain instead of peace. He instituted division, he instituted murder. He instituted fornications. He instituted all of these things that we now call transgression. He brought into the earth by one disobedient act. Now, in Genesis 3, 6 through 13, we see one of the works that the devil brought in by sin. It was that Adam had eaten and God comes down and him and Eve hear the voice of the Lord walking. Good revelation, God is his voice. Can't separate God from his voice. And so, Adam and Eve hear God coming through the garden. That was his nature to meet with them. And so, the Bible says, Adam, where are you? Come on, where? usually you're running. Where are you? So, the Bible says that Adam has hid himself, and he says, we have hid ourselves because we are naked. God said, uh-oh. Who told you you were naked? What was the first byproduct of sin? Fear and condemnation. Adam became aware of his wrong. Condemnation is when sin is born, it has multiple fruits into a person's life. And so when Adam is driven out of the garden, he is constantly reminded that he is separated from God because of his own wrong. In Colossians 12 through 14, if I can have that on the screen, and we're going to do a couple of scriptures because I need to get what I'm trying to get Establish. Colossians 1, 14, what did I say? 12, 1, 12 through 14. And it says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us. Somebody say made us. Now we can't get any more made than being made. All right? To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of of darkness. Now the word power of darkness simply means from the light of God. 
We've been delivered from that. We are imprisoned in ignorance and condemnation. We continually wrestle with fear of our acceptance with God. And then it says, and he hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Somebody say, we have redemption. Now that word redemption means we have been released or delivered by a legal payment for all wrongs. It means like we have been kidnapped by the devil when we were God's children. He kidnapped us and he held us by sin and demanded a ransom. The ransom that Satan demanded was the death of all mankind. But God says, no, I've already set up a law of redemption. And that one could die for all. Now, the devil did not understand redemption. Man had never been redeemed. And so he did not understand it, or he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Amen? And so we have been redeemed, or we have been released from any punishment or payment due because of our wrong. We have been forgiven. David, you got to get me... Get it for me. Thank you, David. He has forgiven us of our sin. That means that there's a pardon to let us go as if we had never committed a sin. Think of that. Man cannot hardly comprehend that God forgave us so perfectly that he doesn't even remember that it's been done. Never ever remembers that sin has ever been committed by the transgressor. Now think of that. Now it says in Malachi that God took our sins and cast them into the sea. Anybody know how deep the sea is? Me neither. Deep. Deep. And uh, then the other thing is in Psalms 103 verse 12 it says he cast me as far as the east is to the west. Now give me this ice cube, David. This is sin. See this sin? Now, this sin right here is tangible. I could hold it against you. I can make it affect you. I could do all kinds of stuff, right? Sure. All right. Give me that thing, David. Now, we're just going to, yeah. You know, the Bible says that we are baptized by the Holy Ghost and with fire. In other words, the fire sanctifies us or does away with our sins when we are baptized into the family or into the nature of God. Amen. Now, as the fire baptizes us or burns the chaff up, guess what happens? When it gets hot enough, are you hot, David? No, or you just don't want to get wet? And uh, so, pretty soon, you know what's happening to this? This is really not what we would call disappearing but it is changing the state of it that it can no longer be contained or affect you. Absolutely. It's being transformed from solid right. to vapor. Yes. Now, could I do anything with the vapor? I couldn't hold it. I couldn't use it. I couldn't affect it from you. So once this solid form of sin is done away with, guess what? 
there's no place to reference it. True. Right? There's no place to reference it. Somebody say, my sins have been burned away. Now, if they're burned away, they've been taken from a solid into a smoke. Then it is spread into the atmosphere. If I gave you a million years, you could never find it and bring it back together. The only place that sin can be brought together is through the devil's accusation or in the minds of others or in you believing a lie. Amen. Amen. And so Satan has been destroyed. And sin has been taken out of our life. Now listen, what is the work of the devil? Not only is it the curse and all that, the greatest work of the devil that destroys believers today is condemnation. The condemnation. So we have to get back to the place that what Jesus said and what he did is the only true fact that you and I can bind ourselves with. Could again get an amen? Now, having said that, when condemnation comes into our life, then we understand that we live separated from God and we avoid any contact with Him. Ask Adam and Eve. Amen. Now, I'm going to read one more passage of Scripture, then we're going to get into the message. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Now, I'm just laying this down so that all of us understand that we are redeemed. We are forgiven. So we cannot let the devil continually harass us through condemnation that we are not what God said we are and we are not what sin tries to define us as. And it says this, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these sacrifices talking about goats and bulls and calves and lambs, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. Now, remember perfect. Somebody say perfect. All right. For they would not have ceased to be offered because that the worshiper, once purged, should have no more what? Or remembrance of their sins. Notice, go back to verse 1. The law having a shadow, it says, can never with those sacrifices offered yearly and bi-yearly continue to make the comers perfect. Where is the perfection of the Christ image in you found? In an acceptance of the sacrificed life and body of Jesus Christ it cannot make them perfect because next verse for they would have ceased to be offered because the worshipers once purged would have no more consciousness of sin when we are remembering what we have done in our past and I don't care if it was two seconds ago 
what you are doing is you are asking God to re-sacrifice Jesus for an appeasement to your conscience. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. And if the debt has been paid, you cannot be taken by the debtors into bondage. Amen. Next verse. And it says, but in those sacrifices, there is a what? Remembrance, again, made of sins every year. But it, for it is not possible that the blood and of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saiteth, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then I said, lo, I come in the volume of the book that is written to me to do thy will, O God. He's referring to Isaiah. And above when he said, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which ones are offered by the law. Then he said, lo, I come to do thy will, O God, to take away the first that he may establish the second. And by the wit, which will, we are sanctified. Somebody say, we are. Somebody say, we are. Come on, somebody say, we are. We are sanctified, made pure, positioned with God for his purpose. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Somebody say, once and for all. Now go down to verse 16, Hebrews 10, 16. And it says this, This is a covenant that I will make with them through you. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities I'll rehash every once in a while. What did he say? When? Okay, verse 18. And where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. Why? There's nothing separating us from God. To enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. What's it telling us here? Folks, if we are ever going to have boldness of faith, that means to be totally persuaded that we've done nothing that would violate the covenant. Therefore, God will watch over his part. Now, that comes about by one offering, the body of Jesus Christ. You are sanctified. You are justified. The word justified means acquitted, made totally innocent, without any threads pointing or drawing you back to any, any specific situation. 
Now, we are justified, sanctified, and we are saved. Now, we can have boldness of faith. But it says that we need to cleanse ourselves from an evil conscience. Now, the conscience is where condemnation is born. It is born in feeling. It is born in emotions. It is born in an attitude that we deserve punishment. You know how many people think, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? That simply is the fact that they're saying, I deserve punishment, but in the end I get a reward. No, we do not deserve any punishment. None whatsoever. Oh, but brother, we all... No, no, listen to me. You're trying to talk to me as if I was a sinner. I understand that I'm saved by grace. I totally understand that. But being saved by grace does not mean that I should live in a state of unbelief and make remarks contrary to the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Knowing it is one thing, but acknowledging it and submitting to the condemnation that is coupled with it is totally two different things. Amen. Now, in Romans 5, 19 through, I'm sorry, uh, in 1 John 3, 19, 1 John 3, 19, let's go there, through 22. Watch these words, because this is where the devil strips us of our faith, our identity, our steadfastness in God. And hereby, we know that we are of the truth. Somebody say, we know. And that we are assured of our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, greater is he, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God, which is a doorway to total victory in prayer and life. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments, do all those things that are pleasing in his sight. Notice, do you know that your conscience can resist truth? Do you know that condemnation can cause you to live under your position in God and forfeit answered prayer and a life of faith? Think of that. It, you, if you listen to a lie, it will imprison truth. Imprison truth. So the conscience, somebody say the conscience, can lead to condemnation that will surpass God. But notice what it said. God is greater than your feelings, your emotions, your ups and downs your condemnation. In other words, if God said you're forgiven, you must not allow your condemnation or your conscience to strip you of your God-given right to live a life of faith and have answered prayer. Now, why does the devil try to condemn us so much? Because he wants faith to be aborted. Now, condemnation 
is a damnatory sentence. A damnatory sentence. When a person is condemned, they have a damnatory sentence towards them. And then it says this. It is a verdict to give a judgment against. It means to judge worthy of punishment. Now that's what condemnation is. It is a decision or a thought that you deserve punishment even though you've been forgiven. Even though you've been forgiven, you can still feel like you deserve to do some type of penance. There is no penance except for a repentance of your sins that God is faithful to forgive you, then it's over. And then condemnation is to have an opinion that is not favorable or to think of oneself worthy of punishment. Condemnation lies in the area of feeling, memories, and emotions. And it is soulish and is in direct contradiction of our forgiveness. Now, condemnation. Condemnation is a feeling of guilt. Have you ever still felt guilty after you repented? Sure, that is the devil's response to try to keep you bound to your transgression. But remember, if God said you're forgiven, erase all feelings, all emotions, all opinions that you deserve to be punished. No, you do not deserve to be punished once repentance is activated. Every believer has been acquitted, acquitted of all sins. We are justified by faith. There is no sin in your past. Could I get an amen? You know, so many of us are struggling with, God, you know, well, forgive me for that. Forget. No, if you've been washed in the blood, it's kind of like trying to find dirt in the yard after you hosed your kid off. How many of you ever seen kids come home with just mud all over them and they, their parents just hose them off? Well, now try to find that dirt again to prove the fact that he was dirty. You can't find enough dirt to prove him guilty. Ephesians 1 through 6 says that we've been forgiven. We have redemption in Christ. What causes condemnation? Go to Proverbs 28, 13. Now, you may not think that condemnation is a big thing, but it's still the attitude that I'm not worthy to live like Jesus. Well, you're seated with him in heavenly places. And it says that he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses them and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Have you forgiven, asked God to forgive and forsaken that way? If you have, then you know what? You should not have condemnation. 
You say, but I still do, and we're going to deal with that. Condemnation is a terrible thing. Have you ever got in a fight with your wife, and even after the fight's over, you still walk through the house sheepishly or, or fearfully? Whichever one it would be. Sure, we are prone to remember our shortcomings. And that's where condemnation thrives and produces fruit. Condemnation comes from wrong to others that you haven't corrected. If you don't deal with it, then you'll be constantly plagued with condemnation. Condemnation comes when we have weak morals or when we fall back into things over and over and over. That strengthens condemnation. But listen to me. Luke, the 17th chapter, says this. If your brother would sin against you, and you just being a Christian, you are to forgive and give him seven times 70. In other words, every two and a half minutes, you have to forgive somebody that's transgressing against you. That means that you have the potential to do that every two and a half minutes. And probably, we're doing it two and a half minutes. But the Bible says, forgive him. They said, oh, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, it takes faith to forgive people, but it also takes faith to receive forgiveness. Amen. What have you done a wrong seven times 70 in one day? You'd say, buddy, I'm a backslider. No, 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 you're not. No, you're not a backslider until you quit asking for forgiveness and continue in that way. And some people even think that a thought about something is wrong. No, a thought is not a sin until you begin to give it place. You can look on a woman and, and say, boy, wouldn't you like to? You say, no, absolutely not. Are you stupid? I'm married. I fell into that trap once. I ain't doing it again. You counteract temptation with truth. Right? A woman said to me one time, boy, you smell good. <laughs> I said, lady, I fell for that. 40 years ago. Get away from me, you devil. <laughs> Trying to steal the little joy I do have in my life. Living with Phyllis. Father, forgive me. And uh, remember that Jesus said, if you look upon a woman to love. Didn't say you couldn't look upon a woman. But you understand if there's an intent there, then you need to corral it because it's going to lead to something. Amen? Now, failure in businesses can cause a constant repeat of thinking that you don't deserve success. Absolutely not. Try as many times as you possibly can. Remember the old proverbs that you can fall seven times, yay, eight times, get back up. Well, what do you do after eight times? Start from number one again. Go to seven and do it eight, then start at one again. That, you know, who's the counter? You. Amen. All right, and you can have a condemnation if you fail in reaching your goals. I mean, I've been trying to lose 12 pounds for the last eight years. Don't you feel bad? 
Yes, I do when I do it, but then I feel happy by saying, I'll reward yourself anyway and start tomorrow. <laughs> There's always tomorrow. That banana split I had last night said, you can start tomorrow. Hopefully Dairy Queen don't corral me in and tempt me in it back into it today while I'm headed home. That devil. That's what Dairy Queen stands for. Devil. <laughs> Failing to do your best or to be your best. Revelations 12.10. Let's go to Revelations 12.10. Hallelujah. Remember, these are condemnations that we're talking about. What causes them? These things. You know, repetitive failure. I heard a voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accuses him before our God day and night. What if you took the accuser out of the picture of your life? What if no one reminded you that you deserve to suffer? You've, Phil will say, they have this a thing they say in West Virginia. Well, you made your bed, now lie in it. You burnt the chicken, now eat it. And Phyllis takes that literally. But... But don't, don't they say, you made your bed, now lie in it. Whatever you do, you deserve what you got. Not in the kingdom of our God. We have never gotten what we deserved. Thank God, and we don't have to get a mindset that we deserve to be punished for the shortcomings of our life. Condemnation causes people to withdraw from God, friends, family, and even from their assemblies. Folks, let me tell you something. Don't give up. I don't care how many times you failed. Who, who hasn't failed? Who hasn't failed a million times? I'm not saying that I haven't. I'm saying I have. Listen, I failed a million times. Man, there are times I get up and I think, you know, God, hey, do you, my name's still in the Lamb's book? Yes, sir. Who do you think would remove it? Well, I was just wondering. I was feeling. Yeah, well, don't feel. Listen, folks. God has got rid of your sin. It doesn't exist. Amen. Don't let it affect you. Self-condemnation instead of repentance leads to depression. How could anyone live at peace in their human mind if they knew that they were waiting for punishment? You know, people say all the time, well, you know, I sowed it. I guess I got to reap it. Absolutely not. No. No. Well, what a man sows, he reaps. Absolutely. But read it in context. If he sows to the flesh continually... And rejects the spirit, he's going to reap death. But just because you're ensnared, fall short, crumble under the pressure of a temptation or something like that, this is not condoning of sin. 
Listen, I'm telling you, sin has got to be repented of, not just denied and moved on from. Amen? Amen? So, it brings a great depression. The difference between conviction and condemnation is this. Conviction reveals sin so that you can remove it by repentance. Condemnation reminds you of your sin to destroy you. So once you've repented, it's no longer conviction. It's condemnation. Amen? So once you confess your sin, you remember what David did when he sinned? And he waited for the death of his child. What David did was this. He put off his sackcloth and his mourning, walked in, got a bath, went in, saw Bathsheba. That might have been where Samson, uh, Solomon was born. I don't know. But he went back in, entered into his life, and took his throne back. Condemnation will keep you from living in your godly identity. Listen, let's get bold. Let's just live like we have never transgressed. I mean, every thought, pull it down. Every thought, pull it down. Every thought, remind him, that's not mine, it's God's, and if you want it, you have to go through him. And God will say, I don't, look, I'd, I'd pull up the records, but it's not here. But if you start listening to other people, I have other people say this to me. Uh, you know, I come to your church, but man, I remember how you used to be. I say, well, well I got saved. Yeah, well, I know. But when I got saved, my friends came to the house when I wasn't home and asked Philip, what's Pete up to? She said, what do you mean? You, what scam is he pulling now? He got saved. Oh, you're kidding me. No. He really got saved. Yeah, right. Now, those friends are Baptists, and they're still friends of mine. <laughs> and uh, look, look, people, I mean, I have people call me, and I mean, still today. Are you Pete Dozek that went to Riverside? I said, yes. You're kidding. I saw you on TV. I thought, that can't be him. Yes, it is. I've got a new heart. Amen. I've been forgiven. Amen. I'm a new creature. Amen. I don't know who that old guy Amen. was. Hallelujah. Amen. But I'm discovering who the new guy is. Amen. So let's stop all types of condemnation. Yes. Well, you've got to remember where you come from. I remember I was lost, but I also rejoiced in that I've been found. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to capitalize on negatives. I'm going to think on positives. Now, people, even in the body of Christ, will want you to migrate to the negative. Some people just cannot rejoice with those that rejoice with. And they just do not like that other people have what they don't have. And we have to bear those burdens of those people. Not that we disown them. We just have to bear their burdens. And until it comes to the point that it's disputing your faith, then you can still run around with it. If it starts disputing your faith or wearing on your faith, then it's time to cut it off. But if all you're going to do is run around with negative people that tell you 
what you aren't and to tell you and remind you what you've done and remind you why you can't live by faith and remind you why you can't be victorious in every situation and remind you that you are pushed away from God because you know you've been wrong? No. That type of person is not welcome around your life. Not that we don't love them, but you cannot fellowship with negativity and expect that you're going to live in righteousness. Amen? So we are forgiven. We are sanctified. Amen? We are justified. We stand in a place of sainthood. We do not have to be approved by some church. We have been approved by Jesus Christ. And we are the saints of God. We are the acquitted. We are the cleansed. We are the purified. We are the justified. We are the raised up. We are the liberated. We are the free. That's who we are. We are the redeemed of God. Amen. And so we're not going to listen to any condemnation. We're not going to listen to you can't do that. It's impossible. You shouldn't do this. Don't try that. Don't do that. No, no, no. All things are possible if you'll believe. Believe what? Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that you've accepted him and know that you've accepted him as Lord of your life. Believe you are freed. Believe that you have been forgiven. Believe that you are who God said you are. Believe that God is who God said he is. And stop believing the lies of the devil. Listen, I do not deserve in my own eyes to be blessed. But I refuse to let my opinion fight God. I refuse it. So, I am blessed. I am the head, I'm not the tail. I will always be above, and I'll never be beneath. I won't. I am blessed. I have life abundantly. No matter where you put me, I will prosper. You put me in the desert with no water and no bread. God will cause a wellspring to come. He'll give me water and cause me to be the richest nations in the world, and he'll cause me to find oil under the sand. Hey, yeah, that's what he'll do to me. He'll cause me to be the pivotal of everything that happens in the world just like he does Israel. Come on, hallelujah. I will change nations just like Joseph did in Egypt. I'm telling you there is nothing impossible to you and I because we are the sons of the living God. Amen. And the works that Jesus did, we are going to do and greater than those. We are not condemners. We are encouragers. We do not live under condemnation, but we rise above it, we resist it, and we declare who we are in Christ despite the accusations from everyone else. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Praise God forever. I'm not condemned. Somebody say, I'm not condemned. Jesus came to destroy that work by breaking the power of sin over my life eradicating the presence of sin by the blood from his life and I will not be brought back to a state that is higher than the body's sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I am who he said I am and I am not condemned and I will not sentence myself neither will I let others put me in shackles of unbelief, religion, fear. I won't do it. I am a child of God. 
Hallelujah. I am the child of God. You are the children of God. You are the sons and daughters of God. You are the redeemed. You are the reason that he died. You are the pearl of the great price. You are the ground that he was willing to pay it all for. You are the reason that he came to for cause forgiveness to come, to justify you and I. There is no sin to your account because you've been blood washed. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, Adams and Eves. Come out from under those bushes and say, God, here am I. Here am I, oh God. Let the Father embrace you. Maybe your condemnation has pushed you away from God, from friends and family and assemblies. You're watching today television or live streaming. It's time to come home. You just believed the lie. Shake it off. Cause the rebuttal. God said, I'm forgiven. And then let that accuser go to the courts of heaven and prove you wrong. God, by your mercy, by your mercy, God, you've changed our sins into something that cannot be contained, cannot be used against us. Father, we thank you today. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, the only thing that can wash your sins away is the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no substitute. There is no good works. There is no turning over a new leaf. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away your sins. For he is the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. God's not hiding from you, friend. You're under a bush someplace. Hear what God is saying. Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. Those of you that may be backslid, separated from God, maybe because you struggled with sin, it seemed like you can't just get a handle on it. Don't give up. Seven times 70. Don't give up. Each repentance brings a new page. Each repentance brings a garment of holiness. Each repentance brings a, a displacement of the spirit of oppression and discouragement to the place of a spirit of joy and praise. Don't give up. Don't give up. For in your endurance possess you eternal life for your souls don't give up don't don't give up don't give up stand on a pile of failures climb to the top and say God here am I I still believe in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ sinners and backsliders 
going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to come. One. Two. Sinner, he's here for you, backslider. He's waiting for prodigal. Please come home. Three, you're in this place today and you're a sinner. You want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you're a backslider, now is the time. Now is the time. Hallelujah. Just another moment. Hallelujah. All righty, praise God. I'm glad we're all going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Let me have one of these ice cubes, David.